Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast. We're so happy to have you join us on a weekly basis, where our goal is to share tips, insights, and practical guidance to help you grow and prosper. Good afternoon. This is Randy McNeely, the Kindness Giver, here to welcome you to another wonderful episode of the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast. Uh, my wonderful co-host, Dr. Elia Gorgoras, is not here with us today. He's out on his own adventure, driving up through the beautiful wilderness of Canada and, and into Alaska, having a time of his life with his sweetheart. But I am privileged today to be joined by a wonderful man by the name of David Stone. David Stone is the author of the wonderful book, Unsubscribe from Anxiety, Opt Out of the Myth that Worry is Required, and Take Charge of Your Own Life Now. He's a transformational speaker. He's dedicated to helping people overcome the anxieties, worries, and self-doubts that keep us all from achieving our highest potential. David, Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. How are you doing? Thank you, Randy. I'm doing just great, thank you. I really appreciate the uh, invitation to come on your podcast and uh, help spread this message because I just feel that so many people walk around with uh, these burdens of uh, anxiety and worry and self-doubt, and so many of them are, well, none of it, frankly, is necessary. And you read the title of the book there, The Unsubscribe, and, and the idea of that is that anxiety is a choice that we make, and unfortunately, it's a choice that we've been making for so long that it, it's become unconscious, and it's just a habit, and uh, there are lots of great alternatives to, uh, to anxiety. Well, I appreciate that, and I just want to ask you a quick question, because this is the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast. Before we dive into the a big discussion you know a bigger discussion about your book and the things that you're doing why is kindness and happiness important to you oh my heavens uh i you know my, i genuinely believe in the depths of my soul that the purpose all of our purpose uh being here is to find joy and express joy and express joy and love and i i equate those two and so I think any, everything that we should do uh, in our lives throughout every single day is something that should be either bringing more happiness to ourselves or happiness to other people. And of course, true happiness. And it's inter interesting, I, a lot of the work that I do now came out of experiences that I had in my life, which were not always very happy. And I discovered, I, and I came up with a term for it, and that uh, I used to practice what I'd call substitute happiness. And it was, it was below a level of consciousness, but you'd go around and look for things that might entertain me uh, because, you know, you're looking for whether it's an acquisition or whether it's eating or whether it's drinking or whether it's distractions in other activities or whether it's uh, act possessions that you acquire. You, people are constantly looking for happiness. I think that every single thing that everybody does and chooses to do is because they're looking to be, uh, to feel better about themselves. And when the, you know, the ultimate feeling better is happiness and joy. 
And so many of the things that we do and the activities we pursue or the uh, possessions that we acquire are done in order or in the hopes that it will bring us happiness. And sometimes they do. And typically what we discover is they bring us a, a little bit of happiness for a period of time. And then you say, well, I got that new car and I'm not happy anymore. Now I need more. And now I need more. And now I need more. And I went out with my friends and I had a good time and I was happy for a couple hours on Friday night. And But here it is Saturday morning. I don't feel so good anymore. And so I think that the pursuit of happiness is something we're constantly inv uh, involved in. It's, it's human nature. Uh, but I'd like to find, and I, I think it's really important to find sources of true happiness, true and lasting happiness, rather than distractions along the way. And this substitute happiness that I used to involve myself with. We've all been there. We've all had various challenges in our lives, different things that distracted from true happiness. And maybe we've been through some real challenges where people were abusive or unkind or said things that hurt us or did things that hurt us. And so we look for some way to assuage those feelings of pain or anger or loneliness or sadness and looking for substitutes. The beautiful thing is, like you said, we do have a choice. We can make mm -hmm. a choice as to the things that we do. In your book, you know, titled Unsubscribe from Anxiety, let me ask you, you know, aren't anxiety and, and worry just a normal part of being human beings? Well, they're normal in terms of the fact that uh, the vast majority of people behave that way. So when we look around and we watch the people in our lives, whether it's family or friends or business associates or whatever, we see everybody worrying and being anxious. And from that perspective, yes, it's normal. But that doesn't mean it's natural or required. When we were kids and we wanted, Mom, Mom, I want to go see, you know, play with Johnny and Johnny's going to jump off. A, you know, if Johnny was going to jump off a cliff, would you do it too? It doesn't mean it's wise. And so I, my belief is that anxiety is something that we have been conditioned into right from birth. We've been taught and trained that there's, you know, there are boogeymen out there and there's lots of, it's a scary, it's a big, scary world and you'd better be worried and you'd better be anxious about things. And, you know, when we were four years old, five years old, stranger danger, don't talk to strangers, you could get in trouble. And when you're six years old and you're walking home from school by yourself, that's really good advice. But when you're 36 or 56 and you're still not talking to strangers because you've got this fear or this innate fear, that's not good advice at all. And we need to get over those things. So I think that anxiety, we, we need to understand where it comes from. And a great, and I would say not just a great deal, but the vast majority of it has been trained and conditioned into it. And the other thing is that the world uh, conspires to make us even more anxious. Here we are uh, at this time in the middle of coronavirus. We've got all kinds of uh, racial unrest going on around the country. And if you turn on the news, we are just bombarded by things that we're supposed to worry about. And even the way they introduce the news, you know, the, the anchor comes on and here's what you need to know right now. And not only do I not need to know it, I certainly don't need to know it right now. And yet it's presented to me in that way. And if I don't know these things, there's something wrong with me. And so 
we all start acquiring because we watch everybody else behaving this way. So we say, well, I guess I'm supposed to behave that way too. And nobody ever questions whether this is a good idea or not. Because when you look at anxiety and worry, there's not a lot going for it. It doesn't really offer us anything. And there's a whole bunch of things against it. There's four major reasons that worry and anxiety are something that we should get rid of. Number one, it just feels awful. It's one of the worst feeling emotions that we as humans can experience. Number two, it never helps. Nobody ever solved a problem by sitting there worrying about it. Now, genuine problem solving is fine, and, but that's very different than worrying. Worry and anxiety just go around and around in circles, and tomorrow and next week and all the rest of it, you got the same troubling thoughts on your mind. Problem solving is moves forward and where I am today is different than I, where I was yesterday towards solving that problem. So it doesn't help. The third thing is it makes you sick. The negative health effects of chronic anxiety are well documented, high blood pressure and gastrointestinal problems and just the list is along your arm. And then finally, and for me, the biggest reason that uh, anxiety is a lousy idea is that it blocks our potential. Because if I'm sitting there worrying about something and looking at the downside and doubting myself, then I will create a barrier for myself before I even try anything. Because, oh, I'm, you know, people from my family don't do things like that. Uh, I'm not smart enough to do that. What, what would have, what will I do if they laugh at me? And so I never even try. And there's just so much human potential that's just wasted because we sit there and our first instinct is to be worried about it or anxious about it. And the best way to deal with that is just don't face the situation. So we don't try. You know, it's an interesting thing. You said two things in that conversation there. One is you didn't use the word navigating, but we have to navigate uh, through challenges in order to move forward, right? We have to yeah. make progress. We have to have a navigator attitude. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is we can choose, we, again, uh, reiterating, we can choose not to subscribe to anxiety. We can choose not to allow it to get a grasp on us and take control of our lives. We don't have to do that. One of the things that's interesting to me in a discussion that we had previously, you mentioned that you've been an entrepreneur for how long? More than 30 years? Something oh, like that? Yeah. I turned 66 a month ago. And in all my career, I've probably held down a, what you call a real job, for, you know, where somebody else writes the paycheck. Probably five years out of that is the grand total that I've ever worked for somebody else. So, and so you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So why mm -hmm. did you decide to write this book? What drove ah. you to write the book? Well, what, what drove me to write the book was uh, a personal experience. About 10 years or so ago, I actually ended up homeless for about a month. And it was the craziest thing. And I too long to explain how it got there. But nonetheless, here I was sleeping in my car. And I sort of remember waking up one morning, and fortunately it was in the south and it was, it was warm, but I remember waking up one morning and saying, okay, you know, whatever I'm doing is not working. So, you know, all my brilliant ideas about it, and I've got two university degrees and I'm, you know, I'm a smart guy and resourceful and all the rest of it, but obviously there's something that I'm doing that is not working. 
So I said, I'm wide open. I just sort of said to the universe, you know, if you've got some better ideas, I'm wide open to listen. And at that point, I began to study and learn everything that I could about how my brain works. Because the one thing that I realized was in that situation, and I, you know, of course, the tendency is uh, it's fun to blame everybody else. You know, oh, it's the government's fault. Oh, no, it's my, the people that, that screwed me over. It's their fault, uh, all this thing. And then I started thinking and analyzing, and I came to the realization that of all the troubles that I've had, there was one common denominator throughout all of them, and that was me. I was the only one that was consistently present throughout all these things. So I thought, oh, Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Uh, maybe it's the way I'm thinking. Maybe it's the way I'm making decisions. Maybe it's the way I'm behaving and, um, and acting. And so I said, all right, I, I set it all down. And one of the things I realized is that one of the consistent behaviors I had is worry and anxiety. I spent my life sort of in fear and constantly living for some point in the future, constantly living, yeah. okay, if I fix this now, then it'll be okay later. And uh, at 55 years of age, I, you've spent your <laughs> life waiting for life to start happening, and there's something wrong with that. So that was sort of the genesis of it, and I spent the next five or so years, while well, I haven't stopped, really, really learning everything I could about uh, how I think and how I behave and how I make decisions. And I realized that anxiety was at the root of it all. And I came up with a bunch of strategies to get out of it, which made all the difference in the world. And I thought, I got to share this with people. So that was the, the genesis of it. And what I discovered, and I think I, I've talked to lots of people who have experiences like that and then end up either becoming teachers or write books or authors, coaches, whatever. More often than not, what I'm, the work that I'm doing is for myself. I'm still learning. So I'm just sort of learning out loud, if you want. Yeah, yeah. And in the process of me learning, I'll share it with you. And if it works for you, then God bless you. Take it and run with it, too. That's a beautiful thing that you just said, you're continually learning. As you learn, you're sharing what you learn with other people. And it's turning out to be both a blessing for you because you're obviously, you're continuing to learn and grow, right? But then you're not keeping that to yourself. You're letting no. other people know what you've learned and you don't know how many people out there may or may not pay attention to it. But if you can even reach one person, mm -hmm. it's been worth it or two people or three, you don't know. Oh, absolutely. Reach. And it's just so gratifying when you do realize that you've helped somebody else. I, I gave a workshop, an evening workshop, where we talked about this, and there was this one woman came in, and it was funny because, and she came in, and this is, I was talking earlier about anxiety and worry being a habit, learned habit, and she said, well, I'm a worrier, my mother's a worrier, my sister's a worrier, everybody that I know is a worrier, therefore I am too. And we went through the whole workshop, and at the end she walked out, and she says, wow, my shoulders aren't tight anymore. Yeah, that's a win. Because <laughs> that's what you, we want. You know, you want to feel good about yourself. Why go through life carrying this awful load that's not helping anyone? Well, so it, let me ask you a question. Is it easy to unsubscribe from anxiety? Is it something I can do in a half hour? Or is it, I mean, you know, what does it you take know, to be able to do it's, that? It's actually something you can do in about 30 seconds if you care to. 
but the thing to recognize is that anxiety is a mental habit. And like any other habit, it's been built up over time. And we can make the decision that this habit is not serving me anymore. And it's no different than overeating or smoking or any other habit that you might have. And you make the decision. You say, okay, I, I don't want that in my life anymore. It's not serving me. I want a different habit. Now, that's how long it takes, 15 seconds, to make that decision. But then what you do is you say, okay, well, all habits, uh, we can replace any habit, but that's the key. You have to replace it. And if we don't have a new habit to replace it with, then it'll just keep coming back because nature abhors a vacuum and <laughs> there's something that likes to rush in. And so it, it's a new lifestyle that we want to uh, engage in. And what it takes is developing a level of, of self-awareness, the ability to be aware of your thinking and what thoughts are going on in your head because anxiety is nothing except a thought. And that's the interesting thing. Most, the by far, the things that we're anxious about are simply thought. The difference between fear and anxiety is the immediacy of the threat. So if fear comes in and you know, this, we've got a two million year old brain and it's still wired and plumbed for the, for the saber tooth tiger. And so it, it sees a problem. You step off the curb, there's a bus coming at you. Fear kicks in, the adrenaline kicks into your system and, and you say, oh, I gotta do something. And you jump back onto the curb and crisis is over. Now there's no anxiety in that situation at all. There's fear, which is a very useful biological intervention. You jump back on the curb, the fear has gone. And now you look both ways and you can cross the street safely. Anxiety is different though. And that is our reaction to a perceived threat that's out, that's more vague or far off. You know, I'm sure. worried about my retirement. I'm worried about this mole on my arm. Whatever it is you might be, it's, I don't know what to do right now, but now I'm starting to imagine all of these horrible outcomes. That are, and, and that's literally what's happening. I'm imagining they aren't real. They might be at some point in the future. They might not be, but I'm spinning it out of control, which leads to the anxiety that I fear. And so what we need to do is train our brains to have a different set of thoughts and replace the anxiety thinking habit with a much more optimistic or action-oriented thinking habit. Because when you jump, step off the curb and see the bus coming, you take action instantly. And when you say, okay, well, I'm worried about my health, well, there's something you can do if you're worried about it or if you're worried about your financial future, there's something you can do about that right now. And when you take that action, suddenly the anxiety is a whole lot lessened because you're more in control and you've made a, a proactive decision to do something that will lessen this perceived threat. And now you can relax and not be so anxious or worried about things. Uh, it's interesting, uh, very interesting what you said, because again, kind of a theme that's been weaved throughout all the things you said is taking action. And, and the fact that we have control over specific things, we have control over mm -hmm. what we think, we can choose what to think. One of my previous guests, we were talking a little bit about a similar uh, ideas when stressing thoughts, when things that, that build up anxiety come into our minds, we can change the channel. Yeah. We can decide to change the channel. We don't have to sit there and allow those things to overcome us and dwell on them. And we can take the action to change, to put our focus somewhere else that's more productive and useful for us. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And you say, 
we can change the channel. I like that metaphor. One of the things, and I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Robinson, one of the things he likes to say is you've got to be stand guard at the door of your mind. And so I'm very careful about what I allow into my mind. We're all, you know, these days we're all much more health conscious than we used to be. And we're very careful about what we take into our bodies, you know, the junk food that we used to eat. We, we don't do that anymore because we know the, bad, the negative side of it. And so I want to be very careful about what I take into my mind as well. And so yeah. I will avoid negative conversations. I'll avoid toxic people who want to complain all the time. I will avoid... Uh, frankly, entertainment options. You know, you watch a movie and yet at the end of the movie, I feel, oh, I feel awful. I feel depressed. I feel scared. I feel, you know, it takes me three days to recover that. Sorry, I'm not going to watch that uh, because I value what it feels like to feel happy and feel good. And things that don't make me feel happy, I'm going to do something else about that. And you mentioned about the taking action. And the first step, to this is to decide to take 100% control over everything that happens in your life. Because as soon as we say, I'm in this situation, we can never control our circumstances. Stuff happens all the time and we can't control that. But if something negative happens to me, like right now, we've got this pandemic and we're in quarantine still and we can't go out. I can't travel to be a speaker at conferences and all those things happening. Well, I can sit here and blame other people. If the government had done this, if the medical people had only done that, and there's a million culprits that I could complain about and blame other people. But none of that complaining changes my situation. And what, when I complain that it's their fault, I give them all the power to change my life. And until they've decided that they'd like to do what I want them to do, I'm stuck. And so, but if I say, no, I'm in control of my life and yeah, my situation might not be great right now, but here's what I'm going to do to alleviate that. And at the very least, what I can do is control and decide how I'm going to react to that. Uh, you're probably familiar with Viktor Frankl, who was the oh, yeah. amazing guy, uh, you know, a psychiatrist in the 1930s in Austria, and he ended up, in, he was Jewish, and he ended up in a uh, concentration camp. And he, what he, he studied is he said that you know, the people who decided that they're going to control their thoughts were the ones that survived and thrived, and the ones who just gave in were the ones that died. And um, he wrote a great book afterwards called Man's Search for Meaning. Yep. And uh, Fantastic book. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that's really where it comes down to. I am the one, at the, you know, at the very least, they can chain me to a wall, but they cannot tell me how I'm going to think and the thoughts that I will have. I can always choose the thoughts that I have. And you know, in terms of actions, my actions may be, I can choose between um, sort of a bad outcome and a worse outcome, but nonetheless, I still have that choice. And therein lies my power. And I can choose, no, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna participate in that conversation. No, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna turn on the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week and get wrapped up in all that. My mind is far too, and my emotions are far too precious to, to have that happen. Well, this has been great, David. I sure appreciate you taking the time to join us today. So if you're gonna share with our audience three quick takeaways, what would they be? Quick takeaways. Number one, decide that you're going to take personal responsibility for everything that goes on in your mind. Decide that you're going to start monitoring 
your mind and I'm going to become more aware of my thought. And number three, I'm going to suggest to people that you be more action oriented. So if I find myself in a, a situation where I'm anxious or worried or something, what can I do right now in the next five minutes? Do something that's going to help that situation go away. I'd be, I'd be doing those things. And the next thing I'd do is jump on the iFearless website and take one of our free courses that helps you get rid of anxiety and guilt. We've got one coming up next week on getting rid of guilt. I don't need these burdens hanging around. So there are some things, there are some takeaways for, for people. Well, I appreciate that. And so if, if somebody wants to find out more, you know, where can they go? Where can they, how can they get in contact with you? What's your website? Where should the I send them? The website is i-fearless.com, i-fearless.com. Uh, they can go there and there's all kinds of online courses. There's a bunch of free stuff. And from there, they can look, look to social media, follow us on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, we share all kinds of resources for people because I just hate it the way uh, I felt and the way I know so many people feel. And I just want people to relieve themselves of this burden. Well, David, what a, what a good, good man you are. And the well, wonderful you. book that David has written. Let me plug that one more time. It's called Unsubscribe from Anxiety. Opt out of the myth that worry is required and take charge of your own life. David, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom and insights. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Randy. And to you and Ilya, thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Appreciate it. We want to thank you, our audience as well, for listening today. We appreciate you and we invite you to stay tuned for another great show next week with the amazing Julie Haruska. She's a life coach. She helps people to live a life that they love, helps them to uncover those areas where they may not be performing as well as they could and learn how to perform to your fullest potential. So join us next week. It's going to be another great episode. In the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a great 4th of July. Have a marvelous weekend and a great week coming up. Take care. If you have suggestions for discussion topics, please visit anchor.fm slash kindness hyphen happiness and follow the instructions in our show description. Remember, kindness is a choice. And happiness is a choice always. So choose to be kind and choose to be happy today and good things will follow. Have a wonderful rest of your day.